0: From a heavy metal perspective. From dancing to death, to dark throne to Dr. Shrinker. Buckle up. Things are about to get heavy. This is the Metal Podcast. Let's rock and roll. And welcome to the Metal Podcast. Two more hours of half metal and half making fun of rap because it really deserves it. I am AC. With the greatest co-host that a doctor could ask for, DJ, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm great, and uh, you know, did you use Chat GPT to, to write that one up? I I'm, did. I'm still butthurt about that.
0: <laughs> well, I, I use Chat GP, I use Chat GPT for all my intros. In fact, I use oh. Chat GPT for all my content. I'm just a oh, really okay. fast hyper. <laughs> well, and I'm to, doing
1: well over here, uh, surviving the rain because this. Uh, in Southern California, you can't really handle more than a couple of droplets.
0: <laughs> you can't handle more than a couple feet. <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> and
0: we are joined by special guest legend Mark Ferrari. How are you doing, my friend?
2: All good in the hood, guy. Uh, yeah, we we, uh, we survived the uh, the hundred year flood here. Uh. <laughs> And how, how have you been,
0: uh, what, what do you do to prepare for, for a storm?
2: Well, uh, depends where I am. I have, I, I have a place up in the mountains too. So, uh, sometimes, uh, up there, I have to make sure drains are cleared, you know, uh, all the drains are cleared and, uh, um, making sure the gutters are cleared, that kind of thing. Uh, so similar approach here, uh, you're uh, you're reaching me at uh, in the flatlands here in LA County, uh, but just uh, you know, making sure I got food, um, making sure all the phones are charged up, that kind of thing. You know, just making sure we got everything ready to go in case uh, you know. It's just like being prepared for earthquake, I guess. You know, you always want to uh, here an earthquake country where we live. You know, always want to uh, be prepared for that too. Honestly, but, when uh, was yeah all go good. No 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 leaks or anything. Stay dry. <laughs> so uh I, I didn't have to take out my canoe this time.
1: Now, but, now is this in your in your book Rockstar 101, uh Rockstar's guide to survival and success? <laughs> How to prepare for floods. <laughs> well, and... I mean it that's
0: an, it's part of surviving.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah uh actually the book was not geared to you know uh outdoor survival ah. or you know uh okay you know pandemic yeah. survival it was really about survival in the music industry
1: right oh my gosh yeah you could definitely do a sequel or, or, or a few i guess after later the last five years or so
0: when was the last it's time california a- had an earthquake <laughs> by the way
2: well, there was one the other day in Sherman Oaks. Uh, I, I, if you're mm. talking significant earthquake, it's, it's been a little while. I think, It nine, ninety-three, I guess. And uh, yeah,
1: yeah was I like, was. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. What was that, Mark? Uh,
2: uh it was, I think it was ninety-four. It was North, yeah, Northridge. The Northridge one. But I, yeah. I was here for that.
1: Oh, where are you? Ooh. <laughs> Gosh, and I know you i mean uh, not only was i
2: here but i was oh what was that (laughs) i said not only was i here but i was actually geographically pretty close because i was living up in van nuys at the time which is you Mm. know one town over from northridge and there were a couple buildings uh, right down the street from me that collapsed you know luckily uh, i was okay on that one but uh it's part and parcel about living here in Southern California, you know. Earthquakes, fires. I've been evacuated twice. Floods, riots. Oh gosh, it's it's uh, it's like the apocalypse, you know. <laughs> hey, you're still
1: standing, I guess. Uh, yeah, that, that, uh, the the rock star survival <laughs> book you made. Um, yeah, I was curious if you had been because you know you've toured with Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, Dio, Queensryche, I think all while you were with Keel. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. um, which are, I mean, w- we're fans of all, all of these bands. And Keel was, uh, I believe it was The Right to Rock was the first album that Gene Simmons produced. Is that with, I believe it was mm-hmm. Gold Mountain Records?
2: That's correct. <clears throat> That's correct. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, absolutely correct. We had an album out prior to that on uh, Mike Varney's label, Shret and call Lay Down the Law. And that album came out in the fall of '84. And we actually recorded The Right to Rock in the summer of 84 because we had a set a short window to work with Gene. Um, so we actually recorded two albums in the span of three months, which is wow. nuts when you, when, when you think about it. The Lay Down the Law was recorded in June of 84. And then, as I mentioned, because uh, we only had this you know narrow slot to work with Gene, we had to go right back in the studio and do The Right to Rock, which started in August of 84. But yeah, Gene produced that album, and then the uh, following major label album, uh, "The Final Frontier," he also produced.
1: Wow, that's a lot. I'm looking at the workload. It's '84, "Lay Down the Law." It, you wrote uh, "Born Ready" off that. Uh, then '85, "The Right to Rock." Uh, "The Final Frontier," '86, you co-wrote three songs on an album, and '87 with Keel uh and then and then a little break from keel till uh, 1998 and then 2010 but um i was really curious too um well with the right to rock you had uh who's it steve riley that left the band i think right after that album and oh. he was uh with wasp on um the last command and inside the electric circus which i, I find very yep. fascinating
2: yeah, we, we love Steve. Um, we, we had kind of a revolving door of drummers uh, for a bit there. Uh, on the Lay Down the Law album was Bobby Marks, who was uh, in the last lineup of Steeler. And so he, you know, he he was the drummer on the Lay Down the Law album. And um, I guess, uh, you know, Ron felt he really wasn't ready for prime time back then. And so when we did the uh, Right to Rock album, we... Um, we had Stephen Riley he actually recorded most of the parts on that, even though his picture is not on the album. Hmm. Uh, and in between there, we had Fred who was in the band for a little bit. Uh, Barry Brandt Fred Angel was in the band for a little bit, but you know they, whatever reason, they 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 didn't they didn't make it. Uh, but Steve recorded that album with us. Right to rock. We actually did one with him, and then we had we had some downtime because we had almost five or six months in between the completion of our album and the time the album was going to be released. And, you know, Steve, uh, you know, I guess felt he couldn't wait around doing nothing for five months. <laughs> and that opportunity came up for him to, uh, to join Boston. That's what he did. But, uh, man, it was really tough to hear about his passing yeah. last fall. I was uh, re- yeah. pretty close to him. He was a great guy. You know, we, we both were from the Boston area. We, we bonded. And, uh, anybody who knew him you know knew knew what a great guy he was so it really really hit me hard you know as my my first bandmate of mine to to pass you know oh gosh uh,
1: yeah no I'm um, so sorry to to hear that and i am but curious. yeah Steve, oh yeah
2: go ahead.
1: oh i was going to say you know your albums came out right about the time of the the pmrc and um, you know, we've done an episode on the the PMRC. Um, I think it was our fourth episode. You know, but anyways, I think it was the sixth episode. Was it the sixth? Okay, you might be right. And Wasp was a target of the PMRC, but but AC, I don't I don't want to steal your thunder with this, but you you you've said that. And I'm curious what Mark thinks too, but AC, you've said Wasp is the edgiest band to ever exist at that certain time. <laughs> and,
0: and yeah um i stand by that
1: and and now, yeah i
2: i think i would agree uh yeah those those guys those guys deli- deliberately were pushing buttons you know <laughs> um and you know i i think they, they just kind of rode that crest you know once people started you know mentioning them in the press i think they they viewed that as the, their opportunity to Kind of take it a step further and you know keep keep uh, feeding the fire so to speak um but i i know there were other other bands that the pmrc had issue with even you know uh pop artists like prince and madonna were mm-hmm. in there you know but i i can i can certainly see where you know, you know your album f like a beast you know and uh, <laughs> kind of brought back out you know what, what do you expect that's going to do, you know? <laughs> so, well, well, um, sp- well especially yeah. with but, music uh,
0: yeah. being what it was at the time, like, we're, you know, we're coming out of disco, which was all pop. Like, what? I, it, it's not that there wasn't anything with kind of sexual innuendo at, before that, but that was probably the most overt sexual song ever written for at least something that, made it into the mainstream at, at the time. Like now everything is, is straight up just pornography. But at the time, like Wasp was extremely shocking, especially with their image with all the, the blood, the buzzsaw, not even just on the crotch, but on the <laughs> arms, the, the Elvis, the, the skeleton, like microphone stand. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool spectacle. It, it is like WWF wrestling in like metal form. It. it and just nothing nothing was like that. I am a huge fan of Wasp, and they were trailblazers.
2: Well, there's no doubt. I remember seeing Wasp very early on in 84 at the Troubadour, and you know, obviously there was such the visual spectacle about them. I mean, they took the Alice Cooper thing. Um, Blackie would be the first guy to tell you he was heavily influenced by Alice Cooper Alice Cooper, you know, the generation before, shocking with the guillotine and the snake and you know <laughs> everything else. But but uh, yeah, he wasn't as sexually overt as as Wasp was. So I think I think um, you know Wasp took the playbook from um, from uh, Alice Cooper and just added their own, added their own little direct to it, you know, making it more uh, sexually um, pervasive, <laughs> provocative yes provocative that word that was a better word
0: and it is funny that just people get so they get caught up in in these in well i don't want to say fandom but the the overall experience and when you have these bands and um you know blackie did definitely had his issues in in the 80s but he certainly wasn't the man that he portrayed himself as on stage. And a lot of people can't really separate that. And that's when you get to, to someone throwing a, a giant ham at Chris Holmes <laughs> because they, <laughs> they feel they're, they're yeah. part of the show and, and, and you put on a show and you become shocking. You, well, you're, you're going to attract some, some questionable people that are going to have some, <laughs> questionable ways of showing support as a fan because <laughs> it probably wasn't tipper gore who well you know that
2: so, <laughs> you, you raise an interesting point about people with their on-stage personas and their off-stage personas Because i i know blackie to be a very intelligent guy uh certainly alice cooper is too you know extremely you know uh well educated a preacher Uh, Even Marilyn Manson, you know, (laughs) uh, these guys all have these personas, these onstage characters that, you know, offstage, they're different people, you know, and in many cases, they're, you know, highly functional, well-educated, well-versed, intelligent guys, you know, but this is the role they play on stage. So there you go. Well, that's
0: why I compare it to WWF wrestling because it, it is, it's, it's a show and it, it, it's that, that's the thing is they're called performers. It is a, a performance and in anything you can add to it. I mean, I, I guess the, the most quintessential example of this is kiss it's the, the big stage show. And, you know, Gene Simmons is all about, you know, merchandising and making money. He's not actually, well, I mean, maybe he is a demon, but. He's not actually the thing he presents himself as on stage. And it, I think Alice Cooper was probably the first band to really do that. But kiss is probably the most famous. And that's where this, this term performer really comes into play. And you don't have a lot of that anymore. If any, I I feel like the, the performance aspect of music is gone. It's now just people coming out and, Playing songs and then leaving it, it, the the whole show, uh, the one of the best shows I've ever seen was Guar. I saw Guar with Behemoth, and even if you don't like Guar musically, that show that live show is such a blast. And it is sad that all so many members of that band have passed, but it they're they're still going and spraying people with fake urine and fake blood today oh, gosh <laughs> and that that wouldn't exist without wasp i think
2: well yeah you got some other bands i think you can throw in slipknot and a few other bands that definitely took a, i don't know if they took a page from the war book or not but they certainly were influenced by the uh the whole visual aspect of performance. you know
0: I'd say Slipknot is almost certainly a, like directly linked to Kiss. Just like put putting on in, instead of face paint, they just put on masks. Uh, musically, not so much, but definitely like this band looks odd. Let's give it a look. I mean that, and that's how I think a lot of bands were. They gained a lot of notice that way, and I I. I found that very appealing when I was younger, like, Ooh, look, this is edgy. This is different. I have a you know different opinion now that you know, I'm a much older person, but I, I have a very fond appreciation for bands that actually put on a performance and it's not just like flames at a live show, even though I do like a, a good pyrotechnic. <laughs> All right. What have you been listening to lately, Mark?
2: Well, you know, I stay current. You know, I don't want to be like this old fogey that uh, uh, has buried his head in the sand. You know, Uh, and and not stay stay up to um, you know, not stay up with current trends. Especially, you know, my line of work. I'm still involved with producing music for TV shows and film, that kind of thing. So, you know, I I I, kind of need to. To stay current, I have a college-age daughter that uh, tips me on in new bands and stuff. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I still listen to a lot of the stuff that I grew up on, you know, the uh, uh, the great classic rock stuff from the '70s. But I try to balance that with with uh, newer stuff. Uh, again, Dar uh, will send me Spotify playlists of stuff that she's listening to or what her friends are listening to. A lot of these artists, I use that term loosely because a lot of these uh, artists are kind of single based or singles based artists as opposed to album based artists. You know, when, when, when I grew up, everything was about the album, you know, and all the bands that I grew up listening to a lot of them had multiple albums before they hit it big, you know, kiss is a prime example. They didn't hit till their fourth album, their live album, you know, or thin Lizzie or UFO or, you know, some of these other bands that just they didn't break out until, uh, you know, many albums later. But, um, I listen to a lot of singer-songwriter stuff, actually, too, and uh, I know that might sound odd coming from a do In The Wool metal guy, but that kind of balances me out a little bit, you know, after listening to uh, the new Judas Priest uh, or the <laughs> new Accept album or the new Extreme album or whatever. It's, uh, I get to listen to some uh, uh, some cool singer-songwriter stuff. There's there's an artist I really like called Adrienne Lenker, L-E-N-K-E-R. I don't know if you guys get to her, but she's mm-hmm. kind of like the uh, – She's kind of like um, the Elliot, the female Elliot Smith. Elliot Smith was a big influence uh, on me. Um, you know, he died very tragically uh, years ago. But uh, Adrienne Lenker is this amazing artist. With, uh, uh, sh- she plays amazing guitar. <laughs> she uses these crazy tunings, and she's a great guitar player. And her her songs are really, they're, they're tragically melodic, I'll put it that way. There's a, there's a like a sadness uh, to it, but it's it's beautiful. But anyways, that's that's your tip for the day. If uh, anybody wants to explore some really cool singer songwriter stuff, that's uh, kind of now. Uh, that's an artist I've been listening to, and again, I combine that with uh, you know listening, uh, continuing to listen to the greats that I grew up on.
0: Yeah, it's uh, that reminded me. When you're talking about all these bands that didn't make it big till later we've talked about a lot of modern pop artists and a, a a huge amount of them within their first year of starting, they have a number one album.
1: Yeah. Or a hit single that goes number one or, or whatever.
2: <laughs> well, I'm reminded of, I'm i I'm a, I'm reminded of a saying that it's much harder to, stay at the top than it is to get at the top <laughs> get to the top so um, you know once you, you know you, you bring up an interesting point once you're number one right out of the box where do you go from there you know super Bowl. Uh if you're if you're, at, super Bowl. if you're at the top already there's only one way to go <laughs> that's now. so um, yeah it's it's interesting um, when, when you bust out, a lot of these guys today, they, they bust out with one single and, but they don't have, they don't, they don't have a, you know, a fan, they don't have an enduring fan base. You no, know? let's circle back to the bands that I've, we've been talking about, you know, from the seventies like, or, or even the eighties Bon Jovi, you mentioned Bon Jovi mm-hmm. earlier, Bon Jovi still making records. He was just a, you know, man of the year, uh, the Grammys event, the music cares event. Aerosmith, even though they haven't recorded, you know, a bit in, in a while, and Kiss, they're still big draws, you know, there's still a a huge fan base for these guys to go out and do stadium, you know, uh, arena tours or stadium tours or residencies, that kind of thing. These, uh, a lot of these pop artists that come out with a, you know, one single, they can't do that, you know? Um, so it'd be interesting to see how things, um, you know, develop from here. There's obviously been a big change in the way music is discovered, the music the way music is uh, discovered and listened to. You know, obviously you roll back the clock 20, 25 years, you don't have the internet, you don't have Spotify, you roll it back even further, you don't have MTV. Uh, in the 70s, it was all about seeing bands live in concert. It was all about seeing them in the magazines. And that's how you know that's how you found music, you know, it was either through a magazine or word of mouth. And these days it's a lot more instant you know somebody can uh, somebody can do a single literally on their phone put it up on on the web and you know ha- have instant gratification but it, is it enduring I, I, don't, I don't think so I, I think a lot of the artists that we see here today uh, fast forward 10 15 years and now they'll be they'll be blips you know
0: and this was a, something that we talked about real early on where a lot of these bands that that, that you just mentioned, they have fans. See, people see the, these these new artists because it's it's the new thing, and those people they're not really fans of music. They're just they It's why like people use the term sheeple. That like they'll in, you can lead them to anything. Do you remember uh, Gognum style? That is that Korean guy? Yeah.
2: Like, yeah, yeah. So sure. He, I think he was the, he was the first YouTuber. I have a billion streams if I
0: remember correctly. Yeah, something like that sounds right. Yeah. But he did a show, I think it was at the the um the Verizon Amphitheater in in Irvine. And he came out and he was speaking Korean, and in Korean he said I, just so you all know, he, he the translation. He said just so you all know, I only have the one song, so I hope you enjoy it. He did the song and he left and <laughs> everybody was very confused. <laughs> And they, they, and it's not like, hey, let's go see this YouTube guy. It's, you know, it's, it's five dollars and it's at the, no, they were probably paying one, two, three, four, five hundred dollars for it. And, and the guy came out and pretty much called them all stupid and played one song, took their money and then left. And, you know, more, more power to him. Cause the, the guy, I, I know he was like a classically trained musician, but he wasn't a guy who made music. He, he was like, like a, a David Letterman type. Like he was just like one of those kind of regular comedian, not a stand-up comedian, like did talk shows. And then he, he had a silly song a billion hits and people paid a lot of money to see him play one song live. And now no one really talks about that guy, even though he had a billion hits, it, it's, it's not anything that is part of pop culture. And when we we talk about all these modern pop artists, t- ten years from now, no no one's going to remember ninety percent of them because they're all going to be replaced by the the next uh, like equivalent of the the next flash in the pan. Where people are still making rock and roll bands, you know they're they're not topping the charts, but if you go down to the, the local dive bar, you can see bands that still sound like Van Halen, bands that still sound like Megadeth, bands that still sound like Iron Maiden. And they sound good and they're, they're, they're not, you know, they don't have huge fan bases. Like it it was 1986, but they, the music is much more intelligent. The the lyrics are much more intelligent. The, The singers are good. The drummers are good. Basic guitar. It's all good. But the contrast is there's nothing influential about what's top 40 now where all those bands that you mentioned
1: are inspirational.
0: Yeah, that too. That, yeah. But those bands from yesteryear, not only are they still putting stuff out they're they're putting stuff out. That's good. And it is making people want to pick up and, and play instruments. And that's what is really missing from top 40. Like everything. Like when you say, you can make a song on your phone. Like that's not even a joke. It sounds like one, but mm-hmm. it's, it's true because it, you can get pro tools on your phone. I'm sure you just get autotune app and you can just have probably AI make a, a beat and some music for you. Boom. You have a top 40 hit right there, right in your pocket.
2: And it takes no talent. Well, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, the advent of, Technology is a, is a double-edged sword because it does it does allow for easier, um, you know, it, it allows the musician to have an easier time to make it to make a recording. But with that, when now you have ten million people, you know, doing this, and I read somewhere there is like over two million tracks a day being up, uploaded to Spotify. It, it it dilutes the whole talent pool, you know. So that's that's the other effect that. You know, technology has had. Yeah, it's great to be able to, to be able to do a song on your phone. But what it's done now is instead, instead of, you know, being a big fish in a small pond, you're now a little pond because there's, there's millions of people doing it. And uh, I just, I just heard somewhere that uh, Spotify, and some of the other streaming services, they're 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 going to start scrubbing some of these tracks that that don't have plays. You know, a lot. There's a big percentage of tracks that go up there and. Is listening to them. So, uh, it's, again, it's just dil- it's diluting. It's, it's having an effect on It's diluting the great stuff that's out there, unfortunately. That's,
0: that's something we've actually never touched upon is because hmm. we talk about the, the double-edged sword of technology, but we, we haven't, haven't really delved into there's too much stuff. So there was a study that showed that if the human brain has more than X amount of choices, it doesn't know what to do. And it kind of shuts down. And that's why so many people for so long on Netflix, all they watched was the office because they had so many choices Hmm. that they would just default to the one thing that they knew was safe. So if you have a billion artists, how do you know what to do next? So then like, Oh, just go back to uh, Justin Bieber. (laughs) because <laughs> yeah, how, how, how do you know what what's the next one especially when it's like if you know if if, if you like you know metallica try exodus try bon jovi try, try cannibal corpse and there's like too many things and it's all over the place and and your your brain freaks out it was much easier when you're at a record store and then you just go to the one section that you like and then Oh look, this cover's cool. I'll buy this one. And then that—that that was your record. That was the one. And then now it, it's people don't even listen to to uh, albums in
2: order anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Make a playlist. Well, I guess the same same can be said for your choices of uh, watching uh, watching shows too, right? Oh, You yeah. got Netflix. You got Prime. You got Hulu. You got Paramount Plus. You mm-hmm. got this. You got that. You got. It, it's it's mind blowing. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. Sometimes people just like swiping through like the movies, and they're like, "Well, I'm not really looking for something. I just like <laughs> looking through them. Like, well, why don't you pick something? I don't want to watch you <laughs> swipe through all these movies. Like, but yeah, it's, it's too many decisions. Or or someone will play a song on Spotify, and then the artist ends, and it's like, well they'll just choose or just listen to whatever pops up next, whatever the algorithm gives them so they don't have to think. So it's like, you know, I think we had said that you, you could listen to like a Frank Sinatra song or an Elvis song and then Justin Bieber will pop up on like the suggested place or, or automatically. And it's, it's just interesting that who either comes up with the algorithm cause it's not really based on the bands you like. Uh, but you know, we, we had uh, Jeff Carlisi on our show recently. Uh, actually, the last episode, he was a founding member of Thirty Eight Special, and we asked him, you know, like, and we've been asking a lot of our guests, when when do you think a band stops becoming that band? And I'll I'll kind of ask you even because you wrote a song for Pantera in 1988 uh, Ooh, off yeah. the Power Metal album, which is one of my favorites. That uh, is really my like, favorite. Yeah, that it's and and. Proud to be loud. Um and it's interesting that you guys didn't use it for Keel for ten years later. I know it was supposed to be on Keel's self titled album, but and it was also in Donnie Darko. <laughs> but but anyways, I guess my long witted question is Well and Pantera is out without, you know, the uh, the Abbott brothers. Yeah.
2: So uh, let me give you a little background on okay. the song and Okay, cool. I'll, thanks. I'll, uh, I'll well, first of all, your listeners may know that very, very early on uh, with the Pantera guys, they came to a keel show in 1985. That's how far back I go with those guys. And I remember okay. it like it was yesterday, knock on the tour bus, and there was these two straggly kids that wanted to come, uh, come <laughs> on the bus play me a cassette. And that, uh, that, that was Daryl and mm-hmm. Vinny. And... Um, Rex might have been there too, but uh, and the projects in, in the jungle album, which they had already recorded, by the way, five they had already recorded two albums, their the first one and projects in the jungle, and uh, that was a very different Pantera than what mm-hmm. we know today. It was uh, oh, yeah, uh, com- commercial hard rock, you know, this is before they got uh, Phil. So, I mean, if anybody's heard those albums, especially projects in the jungle, it's very Dawkin ish, Motley Crue little Judas priest in there. Um, and I fucking loved it, you know, yeah. Ooh, ah! F- oh. loved it.
1: Uh, that's a dollar to this swear. Well, anyway,
2: <laughs> a- anyways, I kept in touch with those guys. I used to love to hang out with them. I flew down there many weekends just to hang out with those guys. And you know, I started waving their flag pretty early on. Um, and they actually got signed Keel's production company at the Tom mountain records a little known fact, they actually had a deal for their deal with Atco, but gold mountain band uh, had distribution deals and they, they needed to get uh, permission to sign anything. Anyways, proud to be loud was a song that I wrote. Originally I thought should have been included on, on the uh, fourth keel album, the self-titled album that came out in Haven. And for whatever reason, it didn't make the, I played it for the guys and they loved it. And, um, you know, they wound up recording it on the Power Metal album, which was the first album Phil was involved with. In. So I flew down and kind of overseed that session. You know, truth be told, Vinnie really was the uh, captain of the the ship, <laughs> and the, their dad was the uh, uh, their dad owned the studio called Pantego Sound. But Vinnie really was the guy who was, uh, you know, the quote unquote producer of that session. I was just there to help guide Phil with. His- and I played rhythm guitar on that song, I believe. So played a solo on We'll Meet Again on that album, too. So anyways, um, that's how Pantera came to board that song. And as you mentioned, it was used in Donnie Darko, a few other things um, that I put that song in, their, in uh, various TV shows and films with their permission. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was certainly that song was certainly a snapshot of late 80s commercial hard rock, you know, and. Uh, you know, I remember I'm really associated association with the band, obviously, they became the juggernaut that they are mm-hmm. today. And, um, yeah, as far as them going out without the Abbott brothers, I have, I have mixed feelings about that, you know. Uh, I think, you know, obviously they, they had permission from the various estates to do it. But is it Pantera without them? I I, uh, I don't know. I have, I have mixed feelings. Um, but they're crushing it. And obviously uh, Charlie and Zach are, are uh, you know, the perfect guys to, you know, to, to, to take those two slots. And uh, they're crushing it and people are loving it. So what am I, you know, regardless of what my opinions are, The uh, public seems to have, you know, been and everybody loves it. So bless them. (laughs) Go out there, you know, carry the torch, you know. Uh, You have to remember that I think Daryl was shot in 2004. So, you know, we're going to 20, 20 years, Mm -hmm. a whole another generation. He's been gone almost 20 years. So there's certainly uh, a a new uh, batch of kids who never saw Pantera. Uh, you know, back in the day, who were able to, you know, at, at least see this version of it.
1: So. Yeah, I I would be curious. More power to them. Yeah, I would be curious if you know, say, the new lineup, if you call it that, were to release new music and how that might. Affect the answer because they're just playing, you know, old Pantera songs. But if they if they came out with, I don't have any idea if they would do recorded album together. But I would be interested to see how that not only turns out, but kind of how because we've been thinking too, like, all right, like is Kiss, you know, Kiss, you know, with the lineup changes, is Docket Docket, even Wasp, you know, Megadeth, um, Megadeth, yeah, it's one of our probably our pound for pound favorite. We can't not that. mention Megadeth. <laughs> We have to mention Megadeth. We're contractually obligated. <laughs> well, Dave Mustaine yeah. <laughs> writes us a check.
2: Yeah, well, that opens up a whole other can of worms. You know, when bands sure. go out with little or no original members, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm great friends with a couple guys that are currently in Foreigner. But mm. the current lineup of Foreigner, nobody in that band. Yeah. Not even Mick <laughs> for most of the shows that were on that album were the first few albums. Is it Varner? Right. It's not, a, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not pontificate on it, but, you know, sure. what is a band? Oh, I mean, Doc, you know, Don Dawkins got the legal name, uh, legal right to go out as Dawkins, but, you know, he's the only one out of the, the four from the quote-unquote classic lineup, mm-hmm. you know? You know, and then you, you've got other bands. Some other band like Foghat's got the original drummer. Okay, he's he got the original drummer, and there maybe a couple original roadies. I don't know, but he's the only, you know, he's the only member still alive, I believe, from the classic lineup of a Foghat. Same with Leonard Skinner. You know, Leonard Skinner is out now. There's uh, all seven original members have passed. Mm. You know, granted, you've got the bloodline with, right. uh, you with know, Johnny Johnny Van mm-hmm. Van. And Ricky Medlock was in an early lineup of, of Leonard Skinner, but I, he didn't record with them. So, I mean, you, you open up a whole can of worms, with this whole thing about bands going out with, with their, with the name of the band when there's no original members. I get it. People got to make a living. They got to go out there and put food on the table and keep the lights on and keep the, keep their kid races and all that. Mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> you know? Um, so, so, yeah. There you have it. I'm done pontificating on that. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, that, well, that.
0: This is something that it's just, I've, I've been asking this lately. Just it, it, no, no one has given a, a clear answer. Cause I remember when I was younger, I would meet people that would say like, uh, kiss did a tour with poison around 2004 or five. And then someone said, whatever, that's not even kiss because it didn't have Ace Frehley and Paul Stanley. But I mean, those, those guys left what like Six years after they joined, and and at that point, Kiss had been around for thirty years. So they were in the band less than they were in it. <laughs> so uh, it's just it's just to me well, it's something interesting. Go
2: ahead. Uh, I don't recall Kiss ever going out with Paul Stanley. Did you mean to say Paul? Because I think it, it was probably Peter and Ace that weren't in that lineup. Oh I I I, oh, I, oh, I thought I thought I, I
0: thought I said Ace Freely and Peter Chris. I, I made no, You a,
1: said Paul Stanley. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry.
0: I meant I Peter Chris. Well, if Peter Paul I get them confused. One's, <laughs> one's a cat, one's a star. I can't tell them <laughs> apart. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Well, cuz Paul Paul Stanley is Kiss. For for the people that don't know. G- Gene Simmons is pretty much the mouthpiece of it, but Paul Stanley is 100% the the brains behind it. He's the manager, he's the businessman. Gene Simmons just is, is the one out there, kind of the, the celebrity, the spokesman of it. Yeah. It's, it's all. So to me, it, it seems to be like Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons are kiss because Ace Frehley and, and Peter Chris, they, they did, they did join later unless, I mean, I'm not a a kiss expert. I'm pretty sure it was founded by Gene Simmons and uh, Paul Stanley. And then they put out the ad and, and found Peter and Ace later. So that was the classic KISS lineup, and it's what made them big. But, you know, they, they left. They had their problems with with Gene and Peter, and then they were replaced. And they got really good musicians. You know, uh, Eric Carr, um, Peter Kulik, Vinnie Vincent. There, there were a lot of really good musicians in KISS. Uh, I'll, they didn't make a lot of great records in the eighties, but they still had good songs here and there. But to me, the the perfect example is, is Megadeth because Dave is the singer. He's the main songwriter. I mean, he pretty much writes all the songs. He writes all the music, write the lyrics, but that lineup has been ever changing since in, since the beginning. Like the only somewhat consistent member was the bass player, Dave Ellefson and he they eventually buried the hatchet but then he threw him back out after you know some ridiculous scandal so is it still Megadeth at that point because going back to wasp when the crimson idol came out blackie lawless wanted that to be a solo record cuz it wasn't to him it wasn't wasp anymore and he wanted to do something that was personal but for contract reasons he had to put out another wasp album and the Crimson Idol, I think, is one of the best rock albums ever made. And Wasp is another example. It's is Wasp, Blackie Lawless and Chris Holmes, and or is it Blackie Lawless? It, to to me, it, it's just it's just interesting because yes, there are a lot of bands that play with no original members, and people still see them. I do think that is kind of ridiculous at that point. Because you know you get one or two original members, okay, sure. You, you not every band can be Iron Maiden playing with, for the, with the exception mm-hmm. of of Clive Burr with his medical problems or Paul Diano's attitude, but for the most part, Adrian Smith wanted back in the band. So instead of getting rid of Yannick Years, they just added a third guitar. You know, <laughs> not not every band is going to do that. Or a, a perfect example is Def Leppard. The dude lost his arm, and they the drummer lost his arm and they kept him yeah. in the band. Not everyone can have that endearing story. I just, I just think it from a philosophical standpoint, like, when is a band, not a band?
2: <laughs> well, we can, we can debate this over and over oh, again yeah. and bring up other examples. I remember seeing thin, you know, Thin Lizzy going out with, without Phil Linet. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, right. I'm friends with with guys, and you know, who went out, you know, Scott Gorham, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, blessed to call an acquaintance or a friend and, you know, I'm friends with John Sykes and a few others. But I remember seeing Thin Lizzy in Ventura about 10 years ago. And, you know, I'm not sure it's Thin Lizzy without Phil Linet because he – obviously the the front man he wrote he wrote all the songs you know is it then lizzie without you know without phil line i don't know i'd say no is it if acdc ever put out with angus i don't know you know i mean uh because there's been some versions of acdc that um you know only had Angus and um and brian johnson you know Mm -hmm. and uh, i I think actually the version with with axel uh, a couple of years ago, it was Angus that was like on the classic albums, you know. So I mean, again, you, you, you could throw example after example of bands that go out with very few or no no original members, you know. It's, you know who's right, who's right, who's wrong in this situation? Fans still came out to see ACDC, and they're still coming out to see ACDC. So. You know, there you go. The, the fans have spoken. Yeah. <laughs> now, I oh. do want to comment
0: on that. I actually think I, I don't like Guns and Roses. I actually think Axl Rose did a pretty good job singing for ACDC. Uh, as as far as yeah, yeah, uh, like you would like when I first heard that, I was like, "Oh, that's got to be a disaster." <laughs> then I I heard him sing "Highway to Hell," I was like, yeah, "That's actually pretty good. <laughs> it's it's not a not a bad fit."
2: Yeah, I know I I've, I've seen a fair amount of video uh, of him and uh, I will I will jump on that bandwagon and say that you know he he did a bang up job in singing those songs and those are hard those are hard songs to sing for anybody and Axel was probably pushing 60 when that happened you know those songs are upper range and require a fair amount of belt to get across so yeah he did he did an amazing job for sure
1: yeah. And we've also talked, you bring up, you know, axel being 60, we've, we brought up kind of these bands like, you know, like Nico McBrain and Iron Maiden is 74 and it's, they're, they're still selling out, you know, tours. And, you know, I always think like, what's coming next? Like, who's going to fill that, that role? But, um, you know, it's amazing to me, Mark, like you're, you're a very smart, intelligent person. You've not just been a guitarist songwriter i mean you've been in all forms of media um i mean you're you're credited at over 125 film and uh television soundtracks you've been in wayne's world twice <laughs> and it appeared at even uh, murder she wrote so you're very well versed and, and diversified um and you've even written a child's book, a children's book, you know, don't dilly-dally silly Sally in 2017. And it's like, what, what's next for you? And you even um, founded a master source and it's just pretty remarkable. Your career, my friend.
2: Well, thank you. I, I like to look at it as being kind of, uh, uh, you know, multifaceted, let's put it that way. some of the things that that i i I did were out of necessity uh, such as trying to figure out how to stay alive in the music business when all of a sudden i was out of favor you know in the 90s you know when commercial hard rock uh took a backseat to uh the grunge movement Mm -hmm. and it was pretty tough for guys like me to um try to figure out how to stay relevant so that that's when i got into uh quite accidental about, you know, placing music in TV shows and films, and that turned into starting this business, as you mentioned, called Master Source, which was the first music library that uh, featured uh, performances, and uh, I did very well with that. I sold that business to Universal back in 2007, and I continue to this day to produce music for that library and a few other libraries. Uh, so that was kind of out of necessity the other things were more creative you know the book writing i've written two books as you know uh rockstar 101 children's book really started kind of <laughs> as, a, uh, as a as a as a a love a love thing for my daughter it was oh. for and about her uh, because she was extremely time challenged as as a youngster and She's gotten a little bit better here as as a young adult. Um, So, yeah, in case it was kind of going from the stage to the page in in writing that. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I was able to get, um, you know, able to get a deal for that book. Is is there another children's book in my future? I'm not quite sure. (laughs) You know, it's a fair amount of work to write it, edit it, you know, uh, shut down and then market it. You know, It, it, it takes a lot of time and effort. I can tell you that, but it—I I enjoyed the experience of writing both books. Um, you know, the the Wind's world thing was semi accidental as well because I, <laughs> I knew Penelope Spirits, who was the director of World One, because she directed the Kiel video, Rock and Roll Outlaw, and I, and I had stayed in touch with her, so I kind of fell into that semi accidentally. And then the other acting stuff that you mentioned—you know, uh, <laughs> murder she wrote. I think yes, also an episode of Step by Step one other one that was just kind of just overflow from the Wayne's World thing where all of a sudden the uh the union was calling me hey you were the guitar player in Wayne's World this TV show needs a guitar player in the background uh are you up for it you know I said, okay got nothing nothing else going on next couple of days so you know i don't call myself an actor <laughs> 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 it just had just happened happened to get some spill over, you know, uh due to the Wayne's World thing um and nobody knew Wayne's World was going to turn out to be the cultural phenomenon oh, yes. that it became, you know. Uh, that's, it was an experience, you know, being on that set summer, and, and uh, um, I hope they do Wayne's World 3 and complete the trilogy. I'll, I'll be around. I'll be waiting for that phone call. <laughs>
1: Are they making a, a third one? Probably not. I haven't
2: <laughs> yeah, <so. it> was... <laughs> heard about it, but I think it would be great to as they say complete the trilogy. Sure.
0: That that uh, of, they they made so many of these like late stage sequels in the last mm-hmm. few years. Wayne's World 3 was the only one that I wanted to see that I thought they actually should have made. Because like the whole the whole point is, is Wayne was trying to find a, a purpose and he ju- he put on one concert That that was it, because Wayne's World 1 is about him selling out and how it affected his friendship, and then the second one was he got a little bit of success, so now what? So I I would love to see an old Wayne and an old Garth, especially (laughs) in today's music world, because everything Mm -hmm. is all about nostalgia and legacy acts, and those guys were already kind of worshiping le- uh, legacy acts. The most famous scene in Wayne's World is them singing um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> so it's it's not okay. like they were into like what was necessarily current, even though Garth had a, a painkiller poster on the wall and, and asked uh, Kim... Gandhi Kim, Megadeth. Kim ba- <laughs> yes, yes, Kim Basinger Gandhi <laughs> Megadeth. <laughs> but love- that, that, that's something... Uh, of all, because Mike Mike Myers disappeared. I, when was the last time he was in anything? Like, he had like a small role in like a Quentin Tarantino movie, and like, and Dana Carvey is still funny. I would I would love a new Wayne's World, and it just br- bring everyone back. E- even the guy who played Del Preston. Well, Denzel <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spears is still up and about. Didn't we get she that done. Do on- on- oh, I
2: know. Actually, last week uh, I was scheduled to induct her into the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame. Uh, well, it was two weeks ago, actually two weeks two weeks ago today, and uh, had my speech prepared. Went down there, and uh, turned out she uh, COVID, so oh, she couldn't no. attend. So I actually have I I have, I have her award here, and uh, hopefully connecting with her uh, shortly to give it to her. So we we are still in touch. Um, now she did not direct Wayne's World 2. That's for correct. Some silly political. But if they do Wayne's World 3, I think absolutely she sh- she should be the one to direct it. So
0: it I, I think there'd still be an audience for it. I mean, it can't be that expensive to make. We'd watch it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Look, we got two we have two people that would watch it. We got, got one guy people. that would be in it. Like we're halfway there, okay? Look, yes. I never made a movie, but how hard could it be? I mean, it takes me 90 <laughs> minutes to watch it. I assume that's how long it takes to make it. <laughs> no big deal. Well,
2: making movies has a lot. I can tell you that, I can tell you that there's, uh, you know, just being on the set for two of them, you could see how many people are involved in making a movie. It's a lot more than making an album. I can tell you that. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, was jo- I was joking. I mean, yeah. when, when you have something that costs $50 million, <laughs> I'm sure that it takes a long time to, to do. But, yeah, I think there's no reason why, uh, at this point, Wayne's World 3 couldn't happen. Just close the, close the whole, you know, bring the story full circle. Cl- close that chapter and and just have it be a, a love letter to legacy acts anyway and, and just... Give, give Dana Carvey and Mike Myers a reason to be friends again.
2: As if so. (laughs) Good
1: reference there.
2: (laughs) Let's let's put it out there that uh, everybody can bury hatchets and uh, um, like you said, you know, complete, complete the circle. That'd be awesome. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no doubt. And and Mark, I do want to wish you you know happy belated birthday. I know you had a, a birthday recently, and I think you were you were in Vegas, and I think you also you went backpacking. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if you. I well,
2: know. I'm an avid backpacker. Okay. Uh, it's been something that's been a um, passion of mine uh, for quite a while. I uh, I wasn't backpacking last week, but uh, I I was supposed to go backpacking mm. the week before. Gotcha. My birthday to Joshua Tree. In the wintertime, uh, me and a bunch of buddies uh we'll do the desert the desert uh destinations, you know, Joshua Tree, Death Valley, um, Anza Borrego, which, which is uh, you know, state park here in California. We'll get out there and just get out in the wilderness, get away from cell phones and you know, just be guys, you know. And in the summertime it's about getting up to the mountains, you know, getting up to the Sierras. Uh, I've, I've done no less than 50 backpacking trips in the last 25 years.
1: Holy moly. And
2: for me, it's, it's, Mm. uh, yeah, no, I just, I just love it. I love being in that environment and, you know, being up in the mountains and, uh, again, just disconnecting from, from, you know, cell phones and that kind of thing and, uh, fishing and hiking and you know, just being silly guys out in the wilderness.
1: <laughs> you, you know, I have, I but, have this crazy concept that you don't have to accept it or not, but I'm thinking maybe a children's book for, for like a, a survival in today's world, like a kind of like for backpacking and to, you know, to like distance yourself from cell phones almost. Cause it seems like <laughs> you, you are the guy to do it. Um, it, it seems like a crazy concept. Okay. I think, Gosh, well, there's some stat or study I saw that like people like they literally freak out if they like leave their phone in their car or something to go to a grocery store. It's like they just have to like always have it. it it's gotta be some sort of addiction or something, but it is an
0: addiction.
1: It, it would be nice uh for, for someone to kind of say, Hey, it's okay to be to be men, right? To be with the guys. <laughs> okay, well, by the
2: way, there's there's we see we see females out there in the backcountry. you know not not as many as guys but they're there they're are they are well represented I'll tell you that you know there's I mean what was that movie with uh, uh, the movie called wild with uh, Reese Witherspoon you know based upon the, the gal that like hiked the Appalachian Trail or one of those trails solo you know so the, oh, there wow. there are some adventurous gals out there so no doubt I, yeah.
0: Well, we're get we're getting to the end, and Mark, it has been a pleasure. It's been a joy. Is there?
2: Thank you, guys. Oh,
0: no. Go go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, is there anything that you would like Uh. to plug? Let let the let let the let the folks at at home know how.
2: Well, on the Keel side, um, by the way, 1984 is our 40 year anniversary of the band forming. Uh, I met Ron in uh, March of 80, early March of 84. So we're rolling up to my 40 year anniversary wow. of me meeting Ron and starting Keel. He, 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 he broke up Steeler in March of 84. First Keel show was in uh, mid April of 84 at Perkins Palace. So we're rolling up to uh, some pretty, you know, some pretty big numbers here. Uh, in the in the fall, it'll be the, the 40 year anniversary of the release of Down the Law. So we do have a couple of singles we hope to be dropping this year, and okay. uh, maybe you'll see a keel gig. <laughs> uh, I hope. Uh, my other band, Cold Sweat, actually, he's playing the M3 Festival this year in May. We're really excited about that. It's a real solid lineup uh so this this will be the third reunion gig that cold sweat has done um as you of uh, you who haven't heard the cold sweat album it's uh can be hard to find but it was it was a great release came out in 1990 and uh some great hard rock on there so i encourage people to try to find it there's a fair amount of youtube video up there on us um, that's about it for me as far as what I'm quote unquote plugging these days. Uh, <laughs> obviously anybody can go over to markferrari.com and, you know, poke around and uh, a lot of things that we've talked about today are up, are up there. And, and um, you know, all I can tell you is that, uh, I still, I still got a lot, a lot, of laps around the track left in me and I'm hoping that uh, both heel and cold sweat, um, will continue to, uh, you know, to be active in various fields, and we'll we'll see where that lands, right? And then uh, hopefully, Wayne's World Three comes around at some point yes. in our lifetime. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll put that out there.
0: I'll, I'll help I'll help write it if if and I, I work for Scale. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I will do what it takes to get it made.
1: Yes, you can count on us. Uh, <laughs> Well, thank you again, right. Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate your career and your continuous efforts. And, and and we are excited to see the the laps you have left in you and that the work keeps getting better and stronger. Um, we'll definitely take a look out and definitely, you know, enjoy your, your backpacking trips and, and everything you do. And certainly, you know, stay safe out there. And
0: what song would you like
1: oh, yeah. to close out, <laughs> this episode with yes well almost forgot
2: i know we we, met, we mentioned proud to be louder earlier you know and for me you know that that was my mantra back in the day you know that that you know that song was you know autobiogra- autobiographical <laughs> i guess and uh you know i'd say give that one a whirl you know Let, let's keep it loud and let's keep it yes. let's keep things proud and loud
1: proud to be loud written and produced by mark ferrari also played by pantera and now with our two we've got a very very special guest with us he is the metal chameleon vocalist for forbidden nivian and skinner the the wonderful and professional norman skinner the third how are you today sir
4: Good. Okay, we can leave the third off. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks for having you me, know, man. I mean that that makes me sound way too professional.
1: No, no. You. you well, oh, I, I dressed up for you today. So, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. How's everything going? And, and you know what have uh, what have you been either up to or listening to lately?
4: Um, I've been a uh, I've been in like a lot of writing mode, writing and pre production. Um, so yeah, in between shows. So I'm not really listening to anything new other than, you know, music from my various uh, bands and people I'm, I'm working with, so.
1: Yeah, and I was eventually going to get into this, but since you brought it up, and I don't know if you can speak on it or not, you know, Forbidden hasn't, you know, released anything since, I believe, 2010. It is Are you writing stuff with Forbidden? Or is or can we expect new music?
4: So uh, I know that the that's one of the goals, right? They, they recruited me. This, you know, within the last six months or so. And, uh, and they said right out the gate, you know, we want to write albums. So, um, I know that the band has been hard at work. They've been crafting the first little batch of songs. I actually will be seeing them this Thursday. Uh, This will probably air after the fact, (laughs) but, uh, this Thursday I will be seeing them and they're going to play for me some of the new music that they've been writing. So I have not yet dove into any sort of melodies or lyrics. Um, but, uh, I'm getting ready to hear some of the completed songs for the first time for some new stuff.
1: Heck yeah, I'm super excited because I noticed you guys are playing the Hell's Heroes Fest in, I believe that's in Houston with, uh, I believe Sodom might be headlining that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that is an incredible, incredible line. I think it's a metal show of the year, to be honest.
4: Yeah, I think that they're, I think we're playing the same day they are. Uh, I think we're like main support for that one. But uh, yeah, that's technically uh, my next show is is Thank the you. end of uh march so it will be hell's heroes i'm looking forward to that everyone i talk to says it's like the up-and-coming u.s metal fest uh for for true metal fans so i'm excited i know queens are playing, um mm-hmm. like uh like i think their first two albums in their entirety or something uh, that as well so exciting should be a, a good show for sure
2: yeah
1: no i've noticed i've uh known about that since like the summer so they've really been uh promoting that and it's you know usually it was like what the Milwaukee Metal Fest is one of the big ones right but this year I mean that that's amazing congratulations for getting that and and you've been busy I saw that you released uh you know an album with Skinner yeah. uh last year 2023 now it's weird to be in 2024 but <laughs> and I was listening to that album. That's it's heavy, man. And it's little different vocals at forbidden. It, it's amazing. Yes. Your range, very amazing range. And
4: yeah, that's my, uh, that's my solo stuff. So, you know, it, I really like to delve into the various layers of things that I like and what I do. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know me as a thrash singer. So, you know, what's funny is when I was announced as Forbidden's singer, it's all these thrash people going, Who? But then you had all the people that do know me for more of my power metal and more that kind of stuff going that's a good fit. it makes sense, okay, okay, and everybody's been on board so far, so I'm digging it. yeah,
1: I've been I- watching your YouTube videos uh of you live, and it's I'm like, wow, that's sounds like the like the album sounds like you've been singing <laughs> on the whole time, but uh but well, what are you gonna say, AC
0: I I was going to say, I think, I think the days are gone of of people phoning it in with their lineup changes. I saw Megadeth and Exodus on the the Blackmail the Universe tour and Steve Souza had just left and they replaced him for the tour with the singer for Skin Lab. And you could not have had a worse fit for Exodus. You know, say, say what you want about Rob Dukes as a successor to Bailoff and Souza, but like he was a thrash singer and it was fine for that, but just, I can't remember the guy's name for, from skin Lab. It's been so uh, Steve, long. Steve, but.
4: Steve Esquizu-,
0: Esquizu. Oh yeah. Esquizu. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was, it was so inappropriate. Like it was so inappropriate. He might as well have been singing for Megadeth, like the level of <laughs> wrong fit for the band. So I, I, I think the, the, we, we call you have to call him legacy acts at, at this point, sadly, but. I think people understand now what fans like. Like there was, there was an awkward period where everyone kind of treated everything like it was a job, but they didn't cater to fans. And I think the last like 15 or so years, people really kind of leaned into that. Like, okay, so we do have staying power. It's because of fans. So we cannot let them down because there was a really dark era in the nineties where just so many thrash metal bands put out such, such poor quality recordings. And then there was a resurgence and I, I, I go back to the hordes of chaos by creator where they just like, make it sound like it did in the eighties. And then people are like, Oh, this is, this is what people like. Oh, I get it. So, you know, Megadeth's not doing risk anymore, but you know, the <laughs> last two records that have been it was
4: quality. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a, uh, yeah. If you have a, if you're a band and you have a legacy, man, why tarnish it with just filling a void to keep going? You know what I mean? If you need to take the time out to find the right fit, do it.
0: Yeah. Just putting out a record for the sake of, if it's a bad record, well then no one's going to buy the next one. If it's good, like That that's right. just the staying power now. And this whole time I've been extremely distracted. What is behind you? Are those, are those wrestling figures?
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I did grow up on wrestling, but uh, no, so uh, uh, this is gonna age me. Um, Good. so that is just a, a part of my vintage uh 80s Masters of the Universe oh, collection. Oh, I see it. So I'm, cal- I'm an yeah. avid uh vintage. Oh, yeah, you see some of the castles on the floor, yeah, thing. yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a big key man Master Universe vintage collector from my childhood, so. Did, did you did you watch the newest the the netflix he-man yeah i haven't seen their uh i guess either they just dropped a new uh a new season or they're going to but I'm um, I'm caught up at least for the last one it's different it's like a pop apocalyptic he-man you know what happened afterwards <laughs> but did you like it you said it's different um, I, you know what I watched it and honestly i the jury is still out man i mean I think back mm. on I like this was different you know it's not you know, I get It's, it's hard, man, because you're trying to make anything for, for those kind of fans and they're either comic book fans or they're fans of when we played with our toys and we had our own imagination. Right. So the stuff that, you know, Kevin Smith's doing with the Netflix thing, I'm like, that's not what I really imagined. So, you know, still, I mean, I'm still watching. So uh, it didn't turn me off.
0: Yeah. I I think that it's not, I don't think it's a complete tangent because I I think this does parallel what what. What I was saying earlier, because to me it it just seemed like they were making it for people that don't like He-Man. Cause, uh, He Man, because He He Man, I think the he Man, because uh, I did play with the toys. Those those are like the coolest <laughs> toys ever. And they they did a revival in like the early two thousands, and I think it was actually like it was actually a pretty good show. I, I think the one from the eighties is kind of hard to watch now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, say that yeah, as a middle aged like, man, but. But the the one from the 2000s, it's, it is something you could watch with your kids and, and you know, not go hang yourself so shortly after it's, it's actually a good watch. <laughs> I do hear that the new one is pretty good, but I think a lot of people were, were so put off by the last one that they're not watching it.
4: Yeah. I mean, you know, you got, you tr- they're trying to introduce it to a whole new generation that don't have no idea. Right. So
0: and 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 going back to to the music thing is people and we we always talk about this it's because of streaming and just youtube spotify whatever even tiktok people are finding things that are 30 40 50 years old and when bands that people are just discovering put out something new well, they want it to sound like the stuff that they're discovering like no one's like discovering infernal overkill. And then they want to hear those destruction albums without schmear. Like no one, no one wants them. They, they want like, well, make it all sound the same. And there's something to be said about something sounding too similar, but you know, stick with the basics. And I think that that's kind of the, the era that we're in. Like we're in a very nostalgia heavy period. And I think that's because so much stuff that was introduced to replace a lot of We'll say the '80s pop culture; it just it just didn't work. It had no staying power. Uh, uh, Do you go to metal shows when you're you're not not in the writing mode, like local stuff? Oh, yeah, you
4: know, I'm I'm one of those uh, musicians that like supports the local shows and hangs out. And I'm I'm one of those guys. I don't really believe in like hanging backstage and hiding out. You know, I'm out <laughs> chatting with people and hanging out. And people are like, oh, you need to save your voice. I'm like. Forget that, man. I'm going to go out there and just meet people and have a good time. I mean, so I I love to go to local shows. Um, Sometimes I'll make the drive, the two hour trek down to the Bay to hit some of those too. If it's the lineup's really good, but yeah, I love going to shows. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a way to get out of the house. (laughs) Do you do just metal or do you do other kinds of rock and roll? Uh, Usually it's, it's rock and metal. It depends. Um, Usually the rock shows I go to, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the, The music, but I know the bands, you know, or people in the band. So it's more of a hangout friends thing. Um and then the metal shows can be the same, or it's like, ooh, I want to see this band. So do you see a lot of younger metal like
0: like guys in their like maybe teens or twenties they're doing like thrash death or black metal or whatever?
4: Oh yeah, that's that's really prevalent here. So yeah, I see a lot of that. (laughs) When was the last time you saw a grunge band? (laughs) Oh, I I couldn't tell you. I like a new band that's playing grunge. Yes. I mean, I've seen bands mm-hmm. doing tribute to grunge stuff, but I have not seen a band at a recent show where they're just, oh, they're playing grunge. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, not like yeah. the tr-
0: either Pearl Jam or a tribute to Pearl Jam. Yeah, so the, the point is thrash metal and death metal have staying power. All the things that came after it, they never caught on. They were flash in the pan for for what MTV was promoting that week. And then years later, you know, Forbidden is working on new material.
1: I'm excited.
4: (laughs) No one, no one thought this was going to happen. So, especially me as a fan, I I didn't, I didn't see this coming at all. So, uh, I I figured when they broke up in uh, 2012, that literally that was it. So,
1: man, when did you first um, either get into forbidden or or here forbidden and and but i mean it's kind of it's crazy it's got to be full circle for you to now to be fronting this legendary band
4: <laughs> yeah i think i was uh i think i was like 17 or 18 years old um it was the early 90s um and then i went to a place called the omni in oakland mm. uh, and uh, i remember forbidden was playing um i wasn't familiar with them i think i would just with some friends and i was blown away man that it was just like crazy intense energy on stage hair going everywhere. And then you get the singer that can just, just belt it. And, uh, you know, I was literally starting my musical career and I sucked. (laughs) I mean, I I was not good at all, but, um, you know, I I became a fan right then and there. And, uh, you know, I've seen a couple shows in the nineties and then I saw them, uh, when they did their reunion in, uh, the 2010 era, but, um, yeah, that was it, and then they they broke up. In 2012. And figured, well, that was it for that. At least they put out another good album.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And kind of how how is that process of even putting yourself out there to, um, I guess, audition or interview for the band? I mean, how how take me through that a little bit?
4: It was a complete accident. It was a fluke thing. Um, some, I'd say, it was all the members. That of the final or, well, the reunited 2010 era, all the members were part of this thing called Bay Area Interthrational, uh, where they would, them as well as a bunch of other uh, slew of uh, musicians, would all play um, early thrash songs from various bands. Now, the caveat is, if you're in Death Angel, you can't play a Death Angel song, you have to play like a Testament or an Overkill song. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you're in Forbidden, you wouldn't be playing a Forbidden song. You'd be playing like a Death Angel song or an Exodus song or Violence. You know what I mean? What about Metallica? I'm sorry? What about Metallica? Anyone play Metallica song? Oh, there was a lot of Metallica played, but Metallica wasn't involved. (laughs) They're a little too uh, (laughs) expensive, I'm guessing. Mm, Um, But the the thing was, they were doing, there there was what was called the core band, the guys that, that were playing on the majority of their stuff or making sure everybody was up to speed. And they were rehearsing in San Francisco for the dynamo festival. And um, what happened is they were having issues, um, you know, staying on, on target with how many bars and the changes and stuff. Cause they had no singers in there. Other singers that they were having were either out on tour, lived out of state, you know, et cetera. So um, I got the call from them saying, Hey, you know, we know that you're a pretty decent singer Can you come down and learn 12 songs to just help us rehearse and get us ready for this festival? Now me, I was just like, wow, man, there's some heavy hitters in that room. I'm definitely down. I'm going to learn some songs, just come in and hang out and like rub elbows. You know what I mean? Um, One of the songs happened to be a forbidden song. And uh, you know, I sang it and and with those guys and I guess I wasn't aware, but They were all looking at each other like, what the, you know? And then uh, they invited me to do a San Francisco show and and do a Chalice of Blood with Warbringer as the backing band. Mm. Um, And then I ended up singing like eight songs that night, more than any other singer, because they just kept giving me more songs. But, um, you know, they had people flying in from all around the world and during the rehearsal and stuff. And they were all looking at Craig like, like, do you see this you, you should do something and then chris kantos afterwards you know he's like you guys are stupid if you don't get forbidden back together and all this i didn't Finger think pressure. much of it <laughs> yeah um weird. i figured that they were going to keep calling me for more bear and stuff and then um a couple months later I, I get i just get the call out of the blue how would you like to be the new singer for reunited forbidden so there was no audition per se wow. okay. i just happened to be doing this you know, covers kind of thing with them. And they got to know me, they got to see, you know, my professionalism, how I'm on stage, hear my voice on different songs. And I guess they just figured that I was the right guy to, to take the mantle. So.
1: Yeah. Cause you have to have a range. I mean, not only like a, the thrashy, almost like death metal vocals, but to hit those high notes, like and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> twisting into form or. or I always, I always have like a, a Mandela effect. Is it twisted into form or, or twisting to form? I, I always. No, use I'm, it. I'm the same. And you know
0: what? <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. Before anyone corrects me, I thought it was twisted into form.
4: Yeah, I believe, I
0: believe it, it is. is
1: twisted. Into oh, form. yeah. Okay, okay. But I the, the chorus is like twisting that. to form.
4: Twist. Yeah, but it, it switches. <laughs> it's like twist, twist into form, twist me into form, twist it into form. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how you sing that. <laughs> a, yeah, yeah have to, cue I, cards. I, right now, I probably forgot how each one goes. So before our next show, I'll touch up on it. And be like, oh, that's what it was. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, no just, we, don't, just, we don't confuse you. <laughs> no, just have cue cards and just read from
0: it on stage.
4: <laughs> no, I don't want to be like you know. I never want to be one of those guys with the with the little you know short. Whatever that thing's called, that little teleprompter. Yeah, teleprompter. I don't yeah. want a teleprompter. I don't want to be, you know, Rob Halford with shades on, walking across the stage. You know, He's I mean, got Google I, Glass. It, you know, wait, is that a real guys. thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah, I've sat, him, uh, I've sat him. I've him on when uh, two times when he was doing Halford, and those were smaller shows, so I could see close up. And I'm on sort of the side stage, and I can see the prompter, and he'll wear his mirrored sunglasses, kind of walk by it. And he's looking at it and saying, oh, wow, I've heard it's the same thing for. uh... And then there's a lot of I've seen at, at, uh, you know, festivals and stuff when you're when you're side stage, you can see some of the singers that do that. Um, Yeah.
1: It's
4: like, come on, man, just learn your set.
1: Yeah, I, I know um, Steven Tyler uses teleprompters. I actually worked for a teleprompter company briefly, and the woman used to do his shows. And But it was like, wow, it was the first time I knew or found out that they can use teleprompters. I guess that's better than using the backing vocals, because now that's the big new thing.
4: <laughs> right, backing tracks.
0: <laughs> or Yeah,
1: backing tracks, that's right.
4: Now...
0: When we saw Exodus at the Jumping Turtle, uh, yes. Rob Dukes had the lyrics taped to the monitors for uh, for two of the songs, and th- like that was an era where like Gary Holt was very adamant about not playing certain songs. Again, like, in his mind, they'd been done to death, but they just started resurrecting old stuff. Like when I first saw them, they didn't play a single song from uh, Bonded by Blood, and then. And then I don't know, by the sixth or seventh time he was back to playing Toxic Waltz, even though he said he would never play that song ever again. So that, yeah. And that's when it just kind of clicked like, okay, we like, we need to, you know, provide some fan service. So I'm guessing they had the, the set of songs, like these are the songs we want you to learn Rob Dukes, in addition to stuff from Shovelheaded Kill Machine. And then it was just spur of the moment, like, okay, by the way, we're playing like Piranha and, and whatever. And so that it was it was two songs from Bonded by Blood that were that I I I and I took them. I, I took them off the monitor with the <laughs> Of course was that? you did. Yeah.
4: I it's think I think singers song. singers automatically get a pass for that. I mean, if if I had a show coming up and I just didn't have time to fully commit everything to memory, I would absolutely maybe tape a verse or something on a monitor just to make sure I don't mess up the little thing. But yeah, and I, I can't say I've never done that, you know. But you know that's a, a time thing, time time constraint. That's what I chopped that up to.
0: That's what I always figured it as, where they were playing. I don't know because this was like the uh, third or fourth tour since Rob Dukes was in the band, and I just chopped it up to like last minute. Oh yeah, we're gonna add these songs, and we've never really rehearsed them. So like yeah, I had I didn't learn them just, and eventually you do so many dates, you're just you're just gonna learn them. So I I I wasn't like wow what an idiot <laughs> but the rob halford thing like I, i'm more like oh geez i guess i guess he's starting to to slip because he wrote those songs and he's been playing them for some of
4: them like 50 years so
0: steven tyler right. doesn't that doesn't surprise me because that guy is off his rocker and has been for a long time so
4: i heard ozzy does it too and that one did not surprise me <laughs> yeah, yeah i, I
0: yeah that one I, I heard a long time ago, and I was like, yeah, "Well, I'm that's a no." It's been a yeah, lot. <laughs> yeah, no, no brainer. Because um, I, I had friends that were big into World of Warcraft, and Ozzy Osborne performed at BlizzCon, and someone saw him there. They said, "Yeah, that guy was like reading off a teleprompter." And That was probably, <laughs> and that was when World of Warcraft was popular, so that had to have been like two thousand eight or nine or something. Does, oh, yeah. Does, Ozzy still performs right because he put out an album like two or three
4: years ago I think he's almost done I've been seeing reports where it's like he's not healing from his last stuff well and it's not going good so
1: Mm. yeah I've seen stuff that he wants to go out again and possibly even write another album or do another album but yeah it's hard to, to to see or figure out with all these different news And and theories. (laughs) Well, uh,
0: I, I think that Ozzy Osbourne and Alice Cooper both put out an album in the same year, but I know Ozzy's been kind of just been using digital effects live for years. So, and Mm -hmm. I mean, anyone who's ever seen the Osbournes or any (laughs) like portion of it knows that he, he has been circling the drain for, for years But apparently that album he put out was good. I don't know. I I, I haven't listened to anything after, you know, I don't know. uh, No more tears.
4: Yeah, I think uh, I listened to it. I think there was one song I liked. Okay. Mediocre, run of the meal. All right. And I'm, I'm super picky with stuff that I personally listen to. I get... Yes. new stuff gets released and I listen to it and maybe I like a couple songs or someone will send me something. I'll oh, check this out. You'll love it. And I listen to it. And I'm like, this person don't know me at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we just, we, I, I'm always still listening to new stuff, it, but it takes a lot to really capture me because a lot of stuff just sounds like other things I already like better. So
1: exactly. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I think we're the same way.
4: <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I, I know what I like. And and uh, I I've, I've said that exact same thing too. When someone's like, "Check this out, you're gonna love it," and I'm like, "I don't think we can be friends anymore." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you like Slipknot, right? Like ah, yeah. As much as I like kidney stones, <laughs> <laughs> what 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 do you prefer doing? Is
4: finding new stuff or or drawing from the the old well? Um god you know what if i had to have a preference i would automatically go to i like to listen to my top favorite bands you know what i mean like the ones that that really do it for me anytime those songs come on those are the ones you know i'm not skipping to the next track you know and i'm always happy um but i do love a good you know a good surprise you know i'll you know definitely we're the age of streaming so when an album is released i just add the whole album to my playlist and i don't listen to it right away i just put my stuff on shuffle and wait for songs to pop up mm. if it is good it, it stays if I don't like it the thumbs get taken off or the check gets taken off and it's it's out the list and I'll never listen to it again so uh, so yeah I'm always usually it's just it's it's the battle of the fittest you know that sticks with me <laughs> well what yeah, are we... your favorite bands yeah uh, my my ultimate so I I'm more of a power metal guy right a lot of people will be you know especially forbidden fans will be very surprised by that um so my favorite my favorite band is a band out of sweden called evergrey super big fan of them they have tons of albums great stuff i like other power metal bands like brainstorm primal fear mystic prophecy i live in that kind of realm i do like a lot of scandinavian stuff like soil work and Flames, scar symmetry big fan of that um and then for thrash i am a big thrash fan. i love bands like Testament. Oh, uh, onslaught creator. Um, you know, death angel. So it's a uh, cat. Just depends. I like what I like.
1: Are you Scandinavian?
4: Uh, actually I'm more like a English Scottish. I, I got a little sweet, a little, I'm sorry, a little Norwegian. only, I mean, but okay. mainly I'm like the Island. <laughs> I'm like,
1: I'm the UK. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. I actually posted this thing on uh uh on Instagram and it says you can buy a ticket to see one perform again and it's got Lemmy, Ronnie James Dio, Cliff Burton, Chuck Schuldner, Dimebag Darrell, and Jeff Hanman. Um who would you choose out of those?
4: Oh, that that one's uh easy for me. It'd be Cliff Burton because I never actually got to see him in person live. Um but if I were to pick a favorite that I I personally would like to see, again, be Ronnie James Dio. Um, Def, I like a handful of Def songs, honestly. Just a few off of different albums. Um, I'm I No one butcher me for this. I'm absolutely not a Motorhead fan. I don't like any Motorhead songs. I've even performed Ace of Spades live at a benefit thing. I just, as the kind of singer I am with the clean vocal, and all, Lemmy's stuff just grates on. <laughs> I, I love, I get that they're so influential and I respect everything they did and laid the foundation for a lot of bands. But me personally, the, they're not on my playlist whatsoever. Slayer is another band that I knit, I, I pick songs off of albums. I'm not a huge Slayer fan. Um, I have seen them live, but you know, they, they fall lower on my thrash, you know, band list. Yeah, That's people, that's crazy though. I just want to go
0: back to that, that not a single <laughs> Motorhead song, because like that's, that's how I am with the band Rush. Like I understand why people like Rush and I acknowledge them as some of the best musicians as far as their ability to play songs and write songs, but yeah, and Geddy Lee's uh, vocals really turned me off, but there are, <laughs> there are a few <laughs> songs that, that I really, really like, but because there's there's such a big variety in rush that I was able to find the right. view that I like and and it's it's crazy that it, motorhead is a similar way there's a lot of their songs that do sound like yep that's a motorhead song but I think they have a pretty good variety. It's probably more you don't like them, so you're not going to go through their discography and and find the one you like. And I understand that.
4: Yeah, I, I can. I would automatically say that I'm guilty of not listening to every yeah, album, yeah. Of your song. But yeah, I've that, heard
0: that, yeah, that's a fine. lot.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that,
0: that's fine. It's <laughs> like at, at a certain point, you know that you're not going to like a band. Like it, right. it's like I, like, or, if,
4: or I don't want to take the time to deep dive to find the few gems I might like.
0: Yeah, right. I I, I guarantee right. that there'll be a few Motorhead songs you like, but how much time do you want to put into it? Not liking a band before you find <laughs> something that you enjoy, like like when I, I okay, like when I said I like Slipknot, like I like Kidney Stones. I'm sure that there might be a song or two that I could listen to, but I, I know enough about that band and that genre to know I'm I I am not going to to dig through it. I mean if some people like it, you know, yeah, you know you you can like them, you know, if you're
4: stupid but
1: <laughs>
4: Uh I get what you're saying for sure.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I'm I'm guilty of actually probably not listening to enough of Slayer. I know there people's like Slayer, but you know, I'm like, well, I know Slayer I is like. is
0: the Oakland Raiders of thrash metal. Like people <laughs> People like them more for being Slayer and how brutal their shows are.
1: Right. I would agree with
0: that a hundred percent. That is a killer analogy. My, my favorite Slayer album is the punk album. Undisputed attitude. Oh, have you ever listened to that? I I think I did. And I didn't really care for it. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Like no one does punk better than Slayer. It's so good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because uh, the well, the the Slayer started out as like a power metal band because they were called Dragon Slayer, and they were oh, they really? were yeah they were a little slower in mid range. So I, I knew these guys, uh, and they knew Slayer when they first started out, and then they would just play in, in the garage, and their songs they were more uh, influenced by like Saxon and Iron Maiden. And at some point they decided to just, you know, double the BPM and then they became Slayer. Cause the, the first Slayer album, it only has a few like really fast songs. Like Show No Mercy and, and Rain and Blood are, are very different albums. It's, it's almost like a, like Kill em All to um, Justice for All in terms of evolution of, of a band. But they, yeah, they, you can, you can see how they really evolve. I think like evil has no boundaries is is, is is like the really fast one, and then on Hell awaits it is Hell awaits, but the, like Live Undead it is more uh, mid mid paced, and then Rain and Blood is like when you think of what is Slayer it, it's Rain and Blood,
4: right? That's the first thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah, they think- did they started out like a pretty mid mid paced like power metal band. Yeah, I think I'm a definitely like a Seasons in the Abyss era is my kind of Slayer,
0: right around there. Yeah, underrated album. They did no, a meant- they did a oh, weird tour ahead. with Megadeth where they both played their albums that came out in '90. Where Megadeth played Rest in Peace, which is like a no brainer. You want you know most people that like Megadeth would probably pick an album to play in entirety. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick that one, but I wouldn't be yeah, unhappy be my with number that. Two yeah uh that my uh my number three actually oh yeah. we'll have to go well let's let's do our
4: top three let me hear your top it, three I'll be well top
0: it's three. it's peace cells killing is my business then rest in peace
4: mine are, mine's a little different <laughs> mine is uh euthanasia oh because yeah, vocally i'm a singer and that, that right. was just catchy and if and then rest in peace and peace sells Okay. Yeah, yeah I I, I, th- I think everything
0: up to risk is if that's your favorite Megadeth album, that's fine cuz it's all I mean, it's weird to have cryptic writings for your favorite Megadeth album, but <laughs> if you like it, you like it. uh it's got yeah some good, got
4: some good songs. But, it does yeah, have good, good songs on yeah, it. Yeah, it has some good ones. But I I
0: actually go um Peace Cells, Killing Is My Business, Rust in Peace, then uh Dystopia. I put Dystopia. that's some
4: good that's some
0: good songs. I put Dystopia over Countdown, and so far, so good. So what?
1: And I, I think the vocals on Euthanasia are, are his best, and I've kind of like said that's Agreed. one of. I think it might be the my favorite like hard rock album because it's not really a thrash album, you know. But the mix and mastering is really good. The vocals are good. I actually don't really like yeah to a two lemon <laughs> actually that, don't that's really one like of my that.
4: least favorite on that album
1: is it yeah, yeah, I, it's good but, but yeah, yeah yeah exactly like the beginning's good but then it kind of you know i mean i get it that people are into it especially you know in europe it's a, or whatever like
0: <laughs> anthem song you know or a stadium right. song you know it's it's, you put your lighter in the air they haven't done that before yeah i i I think my my favorite is addicted to chaos
1: i was gonna say that's like one of their best songs i think that got me to play the drums i'm like oh okay like i I suck at the drums but you know what i'm gonna try and (laughs) play it (laughs) but yeah like that that's that's a band even like forbidden it's a band that will inspire you and we feel like you know who who's out there inspiring people rather than like going back to our old playlists. But you know, a lot of this stuff is kind of buried. You got to look for it. And no one really in the age of streaming, we don't really go song one to song two to song three. We, we kind of just, okay, like what's, what's next? What, what does the algorithm think I'm going to like next?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Put it on shuffle. But I also want to finish on a euthanasia, Contrast that 1994 release with load. Euthanasia. It is a solid rock album load. Almost. It's like an, like Andy Kaufman came to Metallica and and (laughs) pitched a record to them. Don't worry. The audience won't get the joke, but it'll be really funny to us. (laughs) Remember that weird picture of like Lars and Kirk Hammett kissing?
1: Oh no, uh, yeah, I have that actually in, in one of my my stored uh, pictures to to post uh, on one of these uh, one of these days. Yeah, yeah, this but, is real. I wasn't sure if it was real or not. No, yeah it's, yeah, it's
0: it's 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 really weird. It was it was right after it was like right after the Black album where they completely abandoned metal, and it's right when they they cut their hair. Or, do you like Alice in Chains?
4: Do I like what? Uh, Allison Alice in Chains. Allison Chains. I think. Is that actually, what you say, I, I am. I am yeah, a big Allison Chains fan. I, I would say out of that whole grunge era, they're, the, they're the the best. band. That yeah, they're the I best.
0: would agree.
4: Yeah. good stuff.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, do you mm. remember?
4: Remember in their. Oops. Oh,
0: sorry, I'm getting a little uh, choppy here. Uh, do you remember their the uh, unplugged performance? And they had written on the guitar, "Friends yes. don't." Friends don't let friends get friends haircuts. Don't let friends cut hair. Yeah, that, that was, yeah. <laughs> they were, they were specifically mocking that event. It was like some weird red carpet event. And then there's this really weird picture of it, it. They're not like actually kissing, but they're like, their lips are really close together and their tongues are out. It looks like they're like mid, it's a very mm-hmm. weird thing. I, like I, uh, some kind of. Illuminati humiliation ritual like, or something. I have no idea. Yeah, like, like I don't know why they would. Do that. Yeah, it's <laughs> really weird. But that thing on uh, on the guitar was a reference to that event where that's like officially, all right, Metallica is not Metallica anymore, and they started calling them Alternica because <laughs> because because uh, <laughs> Risk was the only bad Megadeth album. That's just like that's it's not really Megadeth, bad. Like throw it out. <laughs> but they they tried to make contemporary nineties rock albums. Like load is just an insult (laughs) load
4: reloaded St.
0: Anger. I'll
4: say right now, man, if if I find myself in a a band photo shoot and taking that kind of picture, I'm going to start, you know, rethinking my life choices that led me to that moment. (laughs) Well, well, here's the real question. Would you do that for $10 million a year? No, I don't care. I, None of this is about music's not about money for me or anything. man. I just like creating the music. I actually like writing and recording and creating songs ten times more than I do performing. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I get that. i, I, I
0: yeah, I, i'm I'm currently working on on a new record, and I always get distracted. Instead of actually recording it, I just like playing more stuff. I'm like updating the songs. Where, and I'll do that for like three hours. I'm like, I should have just been recording. Like, What am I doing? Like I, I'm going
4: to throw 90% of this out anyway. But it is more <laughs> no. fun to put everything together. I get it. My last solo album, I, I mean, I started it like eight years earlier. Wow. The first couple songs. So, you know, you know sometimes... Yeah. You just take your time, and you get it just the way you want it, you
1: know. Yeah, it took uh, AC 15 years to put it out, out his uh, <laughs> debut album, so <laughs> yeah, It did. Yeah. yeah and, it uh, is available so, for anyone who so, wants to listen. So Norman, what what other instruments do you play? Play nothing. Okay.
4: I have, I have no no musical talent as far as that, but what's funny is on all my other projects and stuff, I'm uh they they call me the gatekeeper basically. They send me the songs and I even though I don't play anything, I totally will restructure the song. I'll hibachi mm-hmm. it, put it together. I'll take they, they, they tease me because they say that I like the Frankenstein ideas. <laughs> so I'll take their songs. They'll be in different guitar tunings, different tempo speeds, I'll slow them and I'll just piece them together. I'll be like, re-record it that way.
1: And, oh, interesting.
4: Yeah. And they 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 give you know, in Skinner, since it's my solo stuff, I do that in my band of vine they give me full rain. So every song you hear, it's you know, me at the end going I want it this way um so yeah it's a uh, forbidden will be a different different monster altogether because they write everything and uh i'm just going to listen to what they present and then work with craig on melodies and lyrics so uh, i don't see myself doing a lot of habaching. i don't want to mess too much with the original uh forbidden formula so to speak
3: right Do, yeah I, that makes I, sense I,
4: I i'm gonna guess you don't like punk music yeah, so it's funny is you know we got like contos and those guys they're big crossover you know from back in the day i'm a little younger than the rest of them um and i never really got into punk i mean there's a couple handful of bands you know like some bad brains or maybe some agnostic front like a little bit but you know bad religion but i'm not never never became a big punk fan no
0: well well are you do you like dead kennedy's I don't even know if I've heard any dead Kennedys. Okay. Well, the only reason I bring that up is the the singer Jello Biafra. He had that approach with uh, lyric writing where he would like write the lyrics down and then he would just kind of think like, oh, you know, maybe if this moved here or like he would just like move the, like the verses around. And then that was kind of his process. Like he would, you you know, there, the East Bay Ray writes a song. And so he would write the lyrics and like. Uh, I don't know if I like this, and then all you would do is just move things around, which I thought was an interesting process for for lyric writing.
4: Yeah, I do it a lot. So,
1: wow. You know, I'm a a, a curiosity is getting the best of me. How was your first forbidden like performance or show? Like official, you know, you're part of the band, and like this is like. Do you still get nervous? Do you have to throw up in a bucket before?
0: No. It <laughs> like, doesn't totally... have to
4: be a bucket.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> so here's the thing.
4: Pe- people close to me, only those that are really close to me or in bands with me really know this. Um, I'm kind of like the anti-nervous guy. So before shows and rehearsals and things, I'm literally falling asleep. Like, I don't oh, know wow. if my body knows that I'm going to exert energy and it's just sort of shutting down. But literally, like, you know, I'll be backstage just like this. You know, they're like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, to use an app. And then I'll walk it on stage and I'll hear that first snare hit or something. I'm like, let's go. You know, I'm up. It's just, <laughs> um, so I don't That's really horrible. get nervous. I, I never have. I, I've just been that guy, you know, from my first show in high school. just I just didn't have any knowledge of anything. I just walked out there and heading, just going for it. So, uh, yeah, I don't don't really get nerves. Um, even my first uh, forbidden so the first two forbidden shows were the first one was uh, uh, under a ban- under the moniker Twisted into Evil, hmm. maybe 150 people or so. It was a really small VIP. Um, no one had heard me do anything. So came out, killed it. Place was way too hot. And then we went over to uh, Belgium and there was another small little VIP show before our first festival. And then, of course, my third show was the you know big festival with the Pyro mm-hmm. and crowd and all that. Um, but no nerves, man. I just went to work. So how many people at that? Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. You, uh,
4: uh they said there's between 15 and 30,000. Oh, geez. Yeah. It Note. was cool. Like, I mean, I, I remember getting my, my in-ear pack going and I just kind of looked out and I was like, Oh, cool. You know,
1: a good showing. <laughs>
4: yeah. I'm like hey, like, right on, whatever. <laughs> you know, but yeah. when I hit the stage, I'm, I'm very much, uh, Going through the motions is the right term and the wrong term. It's like I, when I say I'm going through the motions, I'm making sure I'm on my marks. I'm making sure I know what lyric is coming next. You know, I'm, I'm putting in, I'm doing what I need to do. But at the same time, you know, it's not. I'm not just going through the motions. You know what I mean? It, it's. Uh, but I, I don't know any any other way to say it. You know, I'm just doing what I need to do, and I'm enjoying myself. But I'm making sure I'm on as on as I can be vocally and and on um, beat and everything. So
0: yeah i used you're,
1: to play shows
0: uh i was just gonna say would you say you're just prepared oh uh,
1: okay, yeah 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 that, uh, that's, I prepare. that's yeah. what i was just gonna say just oh okay prepared. yeah well I, I would just say like when, when ac and i used to play shows in, in the band we were in 15 20 years ago however long it was and i was the drummer i would literally get so anxious like i'm just like just trying to set up the drums and the drum rack and i'm like oh my gosh i just feel sick to my stomach but once we w- once we actually just everything was set up and i was out there sitting on the drums i was, I was fine i mean i wasn't that good of a drummer but <laughs> at least Who wasn't cares? gonna throw up or something but it,
4: <laughs> i get I, I get that it sounds to me more like uh in, in correct me if i'm wrong the only time i would say I, I do get a little nervous is i'm nervous about my gear I'm nervous (laughs) about my stuff working. So maybe that's, it's more of, is all your drums set up right? Is everything going to work properly? Maybe, maybe, I don't know.
1: Could have, yeah. For me, that's
4: the only thing that that I get a little nervous about, because I don't really know gear. I just know I have my wireless stuff and everything, and I just want to make sure it works and I can hear myself, and that way I can just do what I need to do, so...
1: Yeah, so I guess that's kind of out of your control, you know, making sure, hey, plug right. this in and make sure this works.
4: <laughs> yeah, the the control freak in me does not like yeah. that.
1: <laughs> imagine if you had a teleprompter, you know, oh my god, it better work. <laughs> oh.
4: oh, I couldn't imagine trying to rely oh. on
1: that. Uh-huh. No way. No. Um, in your experience, have you ever had uh to deal with like promoters, either good experiences or bad experiences or how how does that kind of work at, at when you get to your level?
4: Um You know, I guess if we're talking the forbidden level, this is completely new to me, right? I mean, I'm used to being in the trenches and, you know, dealing with local promoters. Um, This level, I'm not necessarily dealing with it. We have management, so they're the ones that are talking to them and stuff. But, um, you know, I know that... Yeah, I I really can't speak of it on this level because I have no interaction, man. You know, um, I just hear that, hey, money's being paid and things are being confirmed that's it but right. you know if we want to talk local level oh yeah we can talk that all day long but <laughs> i think anyone that's in a band knows that how that goes already so
1: yeah no it makes sense that you get to yeah. You know, they want you to focus on your job because i i um i don't know if you're aware of this it's called the metal mag and uh, it's um an online publication started in 1998 uh, become you know pretty good friends with with the uh the owner and writer of it uh frank mccodd I'm, i might be pronouncing his name wrong i think is french um Michonne. okay there it is and, and you know i checked out one of the his articles and i had an interesting article about um you know like promoters and like what what does it take to be a good promoter and he i think uh, christina villa is a east coast promoter and she's kind of small time but she's got some big connections and it, you know they ask her like what does it take? And she's just says, you got to be true to yourself. You do it for the music. Um, and you, you don't try to screw anyone over at all, you know, but yeah, I, I would um, advise anyone to go check out the, the metal mag. It is a very cool publication. You could view it for free. Uh, they also let, you know, probably not bands like forbidden because you guys don't need this, but you know, you could pay to be on the cover or, or have a story on you or whatever. But it is cool that there are people out there trying to promote metal still. I know it's, it's tough. It's not in the topping the charts as it once was, and it should be because it is the the best type of music. But, but yeah, I just wanted to, to talk about that. If you had ever, ever, uh, heard about that magazine publication, you
4: know, I'm pretty sure that I have. I'm pretty sure that I've been in it, um, because it sounds super familiar. Um, but then, you know, I've been in, you know, my, my little career, I've been in a lot of bands through over the years, so. I think maybe in my Magic of days or something, we might have been in that. So.
1: Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll look through it again and see if I could find you. <laughs> I thought
4: you were—I thought you were going
0: to say you've been in a lot of magazines, and I was going to ask you to list them. Oh no, no
4: idea. Like I mean, Blue, Blue I, Boy I've magazines. Saved some in like a
0: little.
4: <laughs> what? Like Blue Boy magazines?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, guys got look, I'm not gonna fault you for how you make your living, okay? That's between He you said and he's uh, not
1: gonna take pictures of kissing guys for ten million a year. He's oh, going no, no, do no, no. To Any weird stuff.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: straight to DVD. <laughs>
4: there we go. Right. Ten dollars is ten dollars.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> no. You have to ask, you can't afford it. Right. <laughs> that's right. Oh go my go god, go. that's hilarious. Oh man. Well, oh, no, well, well I, um, we have well
0: we have to talk about the Super Bowl now. For many reasons. Oh, that
1: is true. Now, the roller uh, skates?
0: Well, we'll get to that. Uh <laughs> how how did you feel going <laughs> into the second half?
4: I mean, I felt I felt good. I thought that the the 49ers, you know, were looking strong. Everything was, I, the third quarter play calling by Shanahan was bad getting away from the run. If you have a leading rusher in the whole freaking league, why are you not using him? Um, and we're just going throw, throw, throw. And it was just, that was, uh, one of the, what the hell? Sorry. My daughter's cats have snuck in here somehow. Uh, that's what I was trying uh, to tell you earlier, but yeah, the, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was going into the second half feeling good. And then, uh, the third quarter play calling was not, so good so
0: it, yeah,
1: it, it really seemed like the one play kind of yeah. changed the game with, with that special teams ball hitting the back of the oh, guys that like, like yeah. that was literally like if you don't have that and maybe the extra point because it looked like you know Kansas City could have with, with six seconds left they, they could have gotten that touchdown at the end but they decided to kick you know if, if they had yeah, to go was, for it you don't want to put the team were, in that situation but
4: uh, there were multiple things I mean I, I'm I've been – you know, I've seen other – I mean, I've been a Niner fan since uh, 84, so I've seen a lot of ups and downs. But uh, this game, I walked away. I wasn't too pissed off. I wasn't butt hurt or anything. I was just like, you know what? All in all, I thought it was a clean game. I didn't see a whole lot of like, oh, this should have been called and that, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, It it is what it is. I mean, I could be one of those guys going – you know, they should have never changed the overtime rule. The Niners would have won <laughs> over. You know, yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna go through all that. You know, we, we had a we had a good season. It, it was a it was a really good game overall, like Super Bowl wise. I mean, um sure some things could have been changed There, you know, I, I totally hate our kicker. I hope <laughs> he's not back next year. He was inconsistent all all season. But uh, you know, we all start at zero zero next year, so yeah, that's true. Well, the one thing I
1: think there's hope out there,
0: the one thing that I think that could have been changed was the halftime show. Now, here's the thing. I, 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 um, I watched the Super Bowl, and, uh, when the halftime show came on, I, I watched it with one person that was into it and everyone else did not seem to care. And I, I thought it was pretty bad and I found an article that actually said it was really bad. And it wasn't like, you know, metal devastation. Cause obviously I- anyone from our, our perspective would, would say like that, you know, that wasn't good, but you know, that's kind of to be expected, but it was, it was from like variety or something. It, it, it was some, some like prestigious outlet that you think would like it. But mm-hmm. to me, it's funny. It's like, they're saying it's bad. How, but how do you know if it's
4: good? <laughs> It's don't always the same, man. It's just a whole bunch of backup <laughs> yeah. dancers, some lip syncing with some regular on mic singing. And then, you know, and then what, if there's any instruments, they're completely like not really plugged in and it's. Well,
0: it, you know. the, well, see, yeah, and that's the thing. Cause I was watching it with these people and then they were, and it was like, it was, were, some of them were older and, and they're like, are they singing or are they lip syncing? And I was like, at this point, a hundred percent, they're lip syncing. Now there was one moment where uh the girl playing the piano, her voice cracked.
4: Cracked. Yeah.
0: And they edited it out of the YouTube. Yeah, no way. I saw that today. <laughs> I was like, wow,
4: come on.
0: Yeah. So so I guess that that was real. You probably don't edit in a voice crack to to edit it out later. So uh and that's why I'm convinced m- most of them do lip sync because stuff like that happens. Yeah. Do you remember a few years ago, um, Mariah Carey had some kind of some, some issue with the, with her microphone effects and she just, she sounded so terrible. It was, I it think was, that
4: was a, it was like a Times Square thing. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was somewhere in New York. I couldn't, I don't yeah. know if it's New Year's Eve or Christmas, but it was something yeah, like it, that.
4: Exactly, It was mm. something like that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah.
0: But you, you only know about it because it was so bad. And and I I think that's that's most artists and, and we've talked about this a lot. Uh, I think that there is going to be a v- uh, Millie vanillification of artists in the future. I, I think it's they're going to find someone that looks good, and they're going to have AI make their songs, and then and that's that's what it's it's going to be because it's it's hard to sing on stage. It it's not easy, especially if you're singing well, and it and if you throw in like doing flips and dancing and all that right. and going
1: and, on roller skates.
0: Yeah. yeah all all <laughs> that. It really wins you. And it, and these, if you think that these people are actually singing when almost none of them have musical talent, like there are a few of them that, that do like Lady Gaga does have musical talent. I mean, I think she's a demon witch that, <laughs> that lures children to her gingerbread house. But I, I think she's actually performing, but most of them, like, especially when you get to people like Cher or Madonna now, there's, there's no way that isn't a backup track. Right.
4: (laughs) Now you go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I mean, like, you know, the only person I can think of that I've seen live that literally is running all over the place and still in key and stuff. Bruce Bruce Dickinson. Dickinson. Yeah. Yeah. mean that's
1: And I mean, shooting then I flamethrowers him and stuff. I'm like, how is he? I
4: mean, that guy must be in shape.
0: <laughs> well, he flies their plane. So he yeah, writes he, he writes kids' books. He does everything. He fences. He's a, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. He's a like, historian. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I believe it. See, the, and these it contrasts him with these other people who are like, well, uh, well, Chris Brown's a felon or something. You know, it's like, you know, Two sides of the, you know, the same coin, right? Now, yeah. I, I, I believe you have some lyrics in front of you uh, about your favorite uh, football team.
1: Would uh, you? Is the new 49er anthem for, for the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you'd like to go ahead and, and read these to, to the folks. And what,
4: what's the name of this song? It says that it's uh, called Do It for the Bay. Okay, uh,
0: well that well that sounds proactive.
4: By, by Sawidi and Pilo. Oh, those are good names. All right, <laughs> sure.
0: yeah, so go, go right. ahead.
4: Let me do the best I can here. You ain't, you ain't gotta ask who I do it for. Who, who? Oh, uh, it's either hoo hoo or ho ho, but it's spelled hoo who, hoo. Whole team iced up, dipped in that red and gold. Wah wah wah, bang bang. Wah wah wah, niner gang. Icy. Wah, 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 bang, bang. Wah, 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 Niner game. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, you ain't got to ask who I do it for. Whole team iced up dip in that red and gold I <laughs> Got a lot of sauce like it's pasta. Pretty little face and I'm stacked like the Rasta. Clap, clap, clap for the best in the world. Tap, 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 tap in with your girl. Whole, whole gang, run it up. We west side, throw it up. Got the ops moving out the way when we pulling up. Do your, do your dance, do your dance. We just came through the end zone again. What you standing on, real big business, city of the dubs. You know, we still winning. I know that's right. Now, did you just have a stroke or are you (laughs) going to read the lyrics? I don't know what that was, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. When you it hey, out, like, it's out like that is what people on a street corner that ramble to themselves sound like.
4: <laughs> and I take such pride in my lyric writing too. So when I, when I read stuff like this, it's, it's like, I, I sit back and go, dang, why am I putting so much work in? Right. Yeah. Well, the yeah. the
0: <laughs> most shocking thing about this is it was probably written by at least six people. I'm not kidding. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Like when, when going back to Lizzo, Lizzo had 22 producers on her album and each song had like 10 individual producers with like seven or eight lyric writers. And the, and the lyrics are, it's just, it's like, it's like the equivalent of a, of a Jackson Pollock painting. It's just like, it's, it's words just there. They don't mean anything. It's, it's, it's barely a language. I have no idea what's going on. And and when you have a beat set to it, like, you know, people, you know, they tap their feet or, you know, nod their head, but they don't know what's being said. But I remember.
4: And most of the time the beats the same as a million other of those songs.
0: Yeah. Yep. And and that's why I, I'm so convinced that it's just going to be AI songs because it, it all sounds the same anyways. So there's no reason to make anything
4: new because nobody cares. But right. and you actually, then if, if, you don't even need you don't even need bands and musicians because the DJ can do it exactly.
0: That that's that's what I'm saying is the the milli Vanillification where you're just going to have someone come out and then they're just going to be the face of it, and no one it's going to be secret. No one no one's going to know, and then they're just going to have like two or three producers that are just going to use some AI program make the songs, and well there you go uh, there, and this person's just going to go up and they'll teach them to dance and they'll put on their wacky costumes and rollerblade and whatever stupid things okay. that people <laughs> pretend I is like a that. show <laughs> yeah that was yeah it's it, it's embarrassing that this is uh this is what's passing for performances because it it's something different but different doesn't always mean good at a certain point you do need to break away to for the, for the sake of, of keeping something fresh, but going too far from a norm. Well, that, that's a whole new problem. Cause I'm looking at that as someone, I I consider myself a pretty normal guy. Like I, you know, I like things that I think are pretty normal. I I like some weird stuff, you know, with asterisk next to it. But this is like, this is more like, this is beyond weird to me. Like they're, they're wearing like the dodgeball costumes and rollerblading and like <laughs> ushers like stripping and yeah, I'm like,
1: ludicrous it, coming out.
0: Yeah. I'm like, is this what football fans want? Like that was my, my question the whole time. Cause going back to like the who played that Elton John and, um, uh, Paul McCartney Prince. Prince yeah. And uh, like, uh, th- there's a lot of that stuff, like Prince is a very unique artist, but he has a lot of very accessible stuff like same with Paul McCartney, Elton John, The Who. But this stuff, I just, I don't understand how anyone that's not like an 11 year old that just likes whatever you put in front of them gets any enjoyment out of i guess
1: he's Cannon a big usher. Usher. Yeah,
4: he's i a, like, i like wear dodgeball uniforms and rollerblading man that's what i was thinking I like, go oh gosh
1: rollerblading be, be uh between a guy's legs <laughs> like, like
4: i said 20 bucks is 20 bucks exactly <laughs> a,
0: a man a man's gotta gotta got
1: make gotta a living gotta feed, somehow. he's gotta
0: feed his family
1: all right yeah,
4: there
1: you go. <laughs> all right that sells out the forum
0: it does <laughs> Um, and whatever the, the Vegas sphere or whatever that stadium's called. Right. Well, we, we are, we are approaching the end and, uh, Norman, this has been a blast.
4: Oh yeah, man. I, I, I had a good time. It was like, you know, I do interviews all the time. It's like, you can tell they got all these questions queued up and stuff. And those ones I'm always like, okay, let's answer these same things over and over. I like <laughs> stuff like this where it's more like you're just hanging out with your buds talking music.
0: Yeah. Well, I I want to talk about your He-Man toys. That's what I'm mostly interested in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, do you, do you like the the He-Man movie?
4: Oh God! So I was <laughs> I was a huge fan at the time. I must have been like 12 or something when it came out, and I remember going to see that, and I left there going, "What did they do?" <laughs> like I was so disappointed. I uh, I, I've I know heard they've been you know for like, like almost a decade they've been planning a new movie, but. The only thing they ever released was a, a picture of a like battle cat, and it looked like really cool. Like I was like, wow, that looks realistic. And but they keep losing, you know, directors and actors, and I don't know. They're
0: probably, well, that's why they're probably putting this Netflix stuff out just to see if there is a, a market for it,
4: right? But, and yeah, just next- they started redoing all the to- all the, like the old toys. They have these retro release yeah. and those things are selling crazy too so well well,
0: uh, well b- before before we we do our our final goodbyes and plugs um who is your favorite uh, he-man
4: toy uh when i was a kid it was oh, yeah. a guy called cyclone
2: you oh, could yeah. basically
4: on his waist there was a thing in the back that you would spin and his arms would spin around so oh, like you cool. know i would just be like wham and knock all the other dudes <laughs> down so he, he was just like <laughs> No, no, he was he was really cool. (laughs) Do you like Do you like Too Bad? Too Bad's cool. I got him right behind me as well. How about he had little arms that would pull back and then punch? Yeah, Yeah. how how about Stinkor? Uh, My whole cabinet behind me still smells like him because I got a good one in there that has all of its smell. So every time I open it up, it has that pepper smell.
0: Heck yeah, Yeah. Stinkor is my favorite. (laughs) Just 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 for the novelty, (laughs) right? All right, uh uh so norman is there anything that you'd like to plug
4: um uh, you know what uh the one stop shop uh for anything me is uh, my website it's normanskinner.net um not a lot of forbidden stuff on there yet just one uh video of of one of our performances because you know it's still all new but you know there's playlists on there of uh, almost everything i've released um i think i've released like 16 17 albums in my career so nice. um you know, lots of music videos from my other bands um, and all the socials. So it's it's one way to get to all my other like, you know, my Instagram, my Facebook, my YouTubes, all the band pages, because everything can be accessed through that website. Um, other than that, the latest release for me would be my latest solo album, The Dark Design. Um, I'm still trying to push it because it got released. And then like two weeks later, they announced I was in Forbidden. So the news just mm-hmm. kind of got, <laughs> if you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my new album, The Dark Design's out. It's really cool. I worked long and hard on that one, so very proud of it. Um, it got a couple uh, album of the year awards for uh, well, 2023, which like... was awesome. Um, considering I was worried what people were going to think about it with its different styles and everything, but seems people get it. They're like, "This is a good album." So
1: yeah, it's different, but I really liked. I really liked the song "In Silence." That song was
4: oh, that's my favorite rocks. off of uh, that. Was my is first yeah. single I released. Off, I was like, "Oh, that's got to be the oh, it was
1: favorite. good." Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> it's got kind of a kill switch engage vibe to it which
1: i liked so oh it definitely shows up your range so i'm excited for the new forbidden stuff we're gonna wish you well with that and and what, have up, a fun not time yet. At hell's heroes i know oh, no,
0: don't or... don't i know don't do the thing yet but yeah i'm not gonna do the okay, thing okay, yet. okay okay all right, <laughs> all right so go, well, ahead. go ahead ac no i was just gonna i was stopping you because well we need to end the show with one of norman's songs.
1: yes yes yeah.
0: oh so what what yeah, what but, what we'd like to play uh, one of your songs as the a, a
4: closing track. So what what song uh, would, not, would you uh, like us to play? The the one we were just talking about, I think, would be the yeah. best one, "In Silence" by uh, by Skinner. So off oh. my solo album, so that one I'll get a, people rock out to that one. All right, perfect. All right, so go ahead, DJ.
1: Excellent, and and we'll put um, any links you want in our description so everyone can find you uh, and check that out. It's amazing stuff, like you said, you got. 16, 17 albums to choose from. So go, go check out Norman and Norman again. Thank you so much for your time and and professionalism. I know we were scheduled a different time, and we really appreciate you just just uh, just helping us out. Uh, yeah, please stay in touch and come back on any time. And definitely with uh, with your your travels and everything, please uh, and everyone else out there, please stay safe out there.
4: Thank you. We- of regress, regret breathe deep we're lost in